Hi, I'm Andy McDonald, Senior Pastor of Whole Life Church here in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational congregation, a faith community committed to our mission to love people into lifelong friendship with God. And we're committed to our vision to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Thank you, praise team. Thank you for bringing us into this moment. You know, there's an old Southern saying that says, if you find a turtle up on a fence post, you know at least one thing is true. It didn't get there on its own. There's not very many of us that can make the claim that where we are now was totally on our own doing. Much of who we are and what we've made our lives is and continues to be the combination of all sorts of developmental input. Our educational background, our choices, our family and social experiences, and so much more. They are all facets of our growth. So when we talk about stewardship and how we manage our resources, those God-given gifts, talents, and abilities, it really always goes back to who are we and how will we respond with what has been given to us. As a child growing up in the church, part of my learning was to emulate many of the people who were in the narratives on the pages of the Uncle Arthur's Bible stories. (laughs) We sang songs about them, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, only a boy named David, only a little sling. The problem with all of that was that in our minds as children, We were consumed with the idea that these people were spiritual superheroes, and their lives were models for each of us to emulate. I remember many times gazing into this wooden-framed window box in the foyer of our small rural church. It served as both a bulletin board or for, for posting announcements, as well as sort of a display case for various notable church community achievements. Now, I don't ever recall seeing anything that was new added to this case, except for a few announcements and ingathering totals that were left over from December. Most of the articles were old brown news clippings, faded pictures of faces I didn't recognize unless I read the names under the photo. But the one thing that always caught my eye in that case was a foot-high trophy down on the bottom of the case that read, first place to the Raymond Pathfinder Club. I had always heard grand stories about that club and how those were the glory years for Pathfinders at our church. I would see young adults from time to time returning home from college, and as an eight- or nine-year-old, I I would stand in awe knowing that they were the ones who were part of that, that grail, that golden era. Now, for those of you that don't know what Pathfinder is, it's basically kind of an Adventist version of what we might think of as a combined type of boy or Girl Scouts. And for a young boy in a small rural community, it was about the only youth programming going on anywhere. So, about four years into my Pathfindering, Word got out that our leader of 12 years was finally stepping down for real. 
He had actually said that it was his last year three years ago, but each time the church board had pleaded with him to take another year for the sake of the kids. Now, no one was going to convince him to come back anymore. And even with the repeated calls from the pastor, no one else was willing to step forward and pick it up. Except one person, Ray. He had stayed in the background, so to speak, and watched as the call went out with no response. Crickets. But finally, he said, you know, I think our children here in our community not only need, they deserve this club. And if no one is willing to or wanting to make this happen, I'll do it. Now, I had given up on the idea that we would even have a Pathfinder club. But when I found out that Mr. Ray was going to do it, I could not wait for the Pathfinder club to start up again that fall. You see, Ray was the leader of the club when that trophy was put in that case. He was the one responsible for making that club what it was. He was the captain. He was the mastermind. And now I got to be a pathfinder while he brings the glory back to the church. (laughs) I could almost picture it in my mind, the second trophy being placed right next to the old one. Only ours would be no longer tarnished and dusty. You know, it's interesting when your life is always lived in comparison to some romantic or larger-than-life hero, it's really easy to become inner-focused, wondering if you will ever measure up to that kind of perfection. Except those heroes were just kids like me. And those characters in the Bible, they were, again, just men who sometimes succeeded and other times failed miserably. However, if we fail to see the whole picture in this comparing part, it doesn't take us pretty, pretty long before we're down that long trek of trying to find self-acceptance. Think about it. If you believe that journey is in some way about attaining trophies or status, it's going to be pretty difficult for anyone else to fit in that luggage. Anyway, the club actually did do quite well in those following years under Ray's leadership. And yes, there were more trophies put in that case. But all of that paled, really, compared to what he had put in the minds and the hearts of those he cared for as the director. Each of us learned that it wasn't the status that made the difference, or even the glory of accomplishment. What really made the difference was when we pulled together for a common goal. And he made it very clear what that common goal was. Being willing to give of yourself for the sake of another. Did we always do that? No. But we always knew what our goal was. And no trophy in a case was going to validate the power of that purpose for each of us. This was the beginning of my understanding of stewardship. Let me read again from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. You see, we get this understanding that God is not just asking us to just obey his command, but to to really embrace the experience of love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That idea 
what God is saying to us is don't just copy how others do it. Don't just fall in line as if you're merely answering obligatory demands. No, he's, he's asking us to be immersed in it, the way in which I've given you a heart and a mind to live it. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 5. He says, Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to that advantage of that status, no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. As stewards, we have come to realize that because of the personal gifts, talents, and traits that God blesses each of us with, there is a measure of uniqueness that each of us bring to the table. It's not something that we have done on our own, but what has been done through us in Christ. You see, your stewardship is in a way sort of a covenant, a a proprietary arrangement just between you and God. He wants no one else to do what you were set in place to do. Why is this so important? Why is this stewardship something we need to focus on? Because then you don't have to doubt whether or not you're part of God's purpose. You no longer have to focus on yourself and find ways to make your own merits somehow fit in this arrangement. It's that focus on ourselves and those pieces that we believe are our part that sometimes gets us to minimize the immeasurable extent of God's grace. But even more than that, we also lose sight of the cost that heaven had to make for the sake of humanity. So yes, this stewardship is extremely important. So, in this thinking, thinking, what is going to be our unique response? We all have different opportunities. We all mingle in various circles, and we all have an, uh, kind of an irreplaceable level of influence. So, how are we to act? If our part is not about us, what are we about? So, thinking about how Christ thought of himself, what might God expect of us? Let me just share a few things, just a couple, that we can move towards that would produce effective stewardship in the gospel of putting others first. Number one, we all can listen. We all can be attentive. So many times we read in the Bible how God says, I've heard the cries of my people. Or think of the conversations that Jesus had with those who came to him. They were conversations centered on questions and then listening to their response. As a matter of fact, in the very first conversation that we real we see real engagement between God and man, it starts in the form of a question. Where are you? You know, Jesus would often answer one question with another question, knowing how important it was to listen to their response. In our journey to love others and give ourselves, our first selfless step is to listen and provide a willingness to understand. Number two, you know, we've talked about Jesus and those two great commandments, but listen to what was his last commandment, so to speak. We'll read this in Matthew chapter 28. He says, then Jesus came to them and said, 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always. How many times have we looked at that, that command, so to speak, and thought, well, that's kind of a job for the pastors and the evangelists. He's not talking to me. You know, there were probably about 120 people there on that mountain when Jesus said this. He was talking to his followers. He was talking to those who would soon be called Christians. He was talking to us. But before we get too intimidated by this responsibility laid out here, let me just remind you and remember the second chapter of Philippians. Again, let's think the way Jesus thought. How did he make disciples? He mingled. He lived alongside and he gave of himself in service to them. He won them to his father because he was willing to be a servant in their midst. So what does it look like for you to mingle in your way? What will it take for you to be ready to serve in your way? And where can you find ways to give of your life in your dealings with others? Serving others is truly the center of that discipleship. Lastly, as we think of ourselves the way Jesus thought of himself, yes, there is listening, attending, and serving. However, all of this is done with the purpose of changing, of making a difference. His words were, I came to seek and save the lost, that they may know the one true God. If you are weary, come unto me and I will give you rest. It was all about making a change. Jesus is talking about something with his disciples as they're walking along this road. This is like towards the end of his ministry. And he can tell that they're anxious. And he can tell that they are unsettled about the events that will soon unfold. He knows that they, they have some real pain going on inside. So he takes this opportunity. They're still so weary about how they will handle all of this. And so Jesus lets them know another mystery that heaven will unfold for them. He says, I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace, I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned and bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. Jesus is now moving well beyond listener and well beyond servant. Now he saw the need and he realized what it would take because he saw the best that could be done for them. And so he sends the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mind, we can never doubt his ways, his thoughts, his moving. It's always for our best interest. Now, he's asking us to do the same thing. Think of others and their best interests. We may fall short of that many times. But if we are constantly seeking the good of others, our thoughts, our actions will follow. My last year of being a Pathfinder was also Ray's last year of being director. 
And as a gesture of love and as an act to show how serious he was about the club flourishing long into the future, Ray came to all of us first, and then he went to the church board and said that he would like to donate his 10 acres of woods behind his house for the purpose of having a permanent spot for camping and wilderness training for the Pathfinders. The church unanimously agreed and pitched in to build roads and trails and even a small pond as an island for campfires. It was an incredible gift and it was a beautiful sight to see everyone working together, knowing that through the generosity of, a, a, of good-hearted people, the youth would now have a place to call their own. A while later, I got a call while I was in college, actually that Ray had died. I came back for his funeral. You see, as part of the service, the Pathfinder Club had given him a special tribute, and and I was a part of that, actually. When the luncheon was over, many of us gathered over in that woods, the place that he had set out and set aside for us. And we talked about old memories and and once more enjoyed some of that uh, surrounding campground area. There were neighbors who knew Ray, that joined us out there. And as we were talking, one of them came up to me and said that he had known Ray for over 40 years. He went on to say that he remembered the day that the bulldozers and tractors and dozens of families came in to start clearing that that area. He then said, you know, I was kind of puzzled. I couldn't believe that Ray was actually doing this. And then he told me, that Ray had originally bought that property to build his dream home on, that his small two-bedroom two home on that road in front was just supposed to be temporary for him and his wife. He said he knew that, but when he started talking about what he was going to do, I didn't believe he would actually do it. I just stood there. None of us had known this story. None of us had known the extent of what Ray and his wife had done. How much they had had somewhat sacrificed in a way to make such a difference for each of us. You see, the very best of heaven was emptied and taken out so that you and I could be saved and brought back to who we were meant to be. That is why this call to stewardship is important. We now get a chance. We now get to take the placement of us next to God, next to Jesus, to be able to think of ourselves the way he thought of himself. We get to act for others as we enjoy the presence of his love. Hi, this is Randy McGray podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. 
we discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.